From the studios of the Private Client Network in Midtown Manhattan, welcome to Luxury on Location. This dynamic new podcast features conversations with luxury realtor Kevin Snedden, founder of the Private Client Network at Compass, and his Private Client Network partners. In this, our fifth episode, Kevin will be speaking with Ivana Hearn, our Private Client Network partner in Hawaii. Yvonne is a major player in the luxury real estate arena, and here's why. Yvonne is a founding member of Compass in Hawaii, where she and her PCN colleagues in Hawaii sold $229 million in luxury real estate in 2021. Consistently recognized for providing superior client service while upholding the highest ethical standards, Yvonne is a four-time recipient of the coveted Aloha Aina People's Choice Award, bestowed upon her by the Honolulu Board of Realtors. It's no surprise that prior to real estate, Yvonne was an attorney in San Francisco, where she advised senior leaders of many prominent corporations on sizable and complex transactions. What we admire most about Yvonne are her high standards and her ability to solve complex problems in order to deliver for her clients. We are so grateful to have Yvonne in our private client network and are delighted to have her as our guest on Luxury on Location. Aloha, Yvonne, and welcome to Luxury on Location. Aloha. How are you? I'm great. I have to tell you, Hawaii is just one of those fantasy markets. I think everybody dreams at one point about moving to Hawaii and living in Hawaii, so I'm very excited to have you on this episode. So why don't we get right into it and talk about your background? What's your professional background, how you got into real estate, and how did you end up in Hawaii? Well, it was kind of interesting how I ended up here. I was working as an attorney in San Francisco, and I had the opportunity to take a sabbatical. And at the same time, I was actually contracted to write a book on intranet design for the legal profession. So I thought, what a perfect thing. I can take my sabbatical, I can work on my book, and I'll go to Hawaii. And while I'm there, I'll just surf and windsurf and have a great time and write this book. But I didn't realize I would fall in love with the islands. I lived over on Maui at that time, and it was just great. I mean, it Hawaii was like no place I'd ever been. I mean, it wasn't the first time I was in Hawaii, but it was the first time I lived in Hawaii. And the people were just so lovely, and it's beautiful. I mean, everywhere you look, it's like you're living in a postcard. So... I had decided that I wanted to move my legal practice to Hawaii and decided to take the bar. Some intervening things happened in the meantime, and I didn't end up in Hawaii. But I did eventually meet my husband, who was in the Marine Corps. And through his job, we were presented with an opportunity to come to Hawaii. And of course, I jumped at it because that had been my dream. Once we had the opportunity to come to Hawaii, we did. It wasn't Maui. It was Oahu. But what I've learned is that I actually love Oahu more than any of the other islands. That's kind of how I ended up here through my husband's job. So how'd you get into real estate once you landed in Hawaii? Well, how I got into real estate was I had been practicing law and I decided to take a couple years off to stay home with my son, who was just a newborn. And I thought about what I could do that would give me a little bit of flexibility. Of course, at that time, I didn't know real estate was a a 70-hour-a-week job. But in the beginning, it really isn't because you're starting out and you don't have the clientele and the workload that you have once you've been doing this a while. 
So I thought, how can I use my legal background? How can I sort of be the cream that rises to the top? Someone who actually has a lot of experience with contracts, a lot of experience with negotiation, experience with real estate and all the legal issues that are involved, and also providing very good customer service that kind of elevates me above the average realtor in the market. So I went into real estate and I honestly haven't looked back. It's been great. It's been something that I've loved to do, utilizing my expertise from law, but also really connecting with people on a level that I wasn't able to do when I was a corporate counsel and really making an impact in someone's life by helping them achieve the lifestyle that they've always dreamed of. Yeah, that's great. I have to say there's probably three backgrounds that accelerate one's success in real estate brokerage, and it's classic sales and marketing, financial services, and I think a legal background. People can come from all walks of life into real estate, but if you come from one of those three backgrounds, you really have a head start and you could really accelerate your path in this industry. Well, it gives you credibility too, because you actually have the training to review the contract and to do the things that you need to do. In what other market do we have the concept of leasehold and fee simple? There's a lot of unusual things about this. So having the legal background really helps. And it, I think it gives my clients an edge as well when it comes to getting their offers accepted, having a well-crafted contract that protects their interests, those types of things. I don't actually practice law when I'm selling real estate, but obviously the background is going to help. Yeah. I mean, the devil's in the details, what I tell everybody and lawyers, they're detail-oriented. So again, they have a head start. So you touched upon the real estate being different in Hawaii. So why don't you take our listeners through the real estate market in overall in Hawaii and touch upon how it's different on some of the different islands? Okay, well, it is quite different from island to island, but in general, I can kind of group Maui, Kauai, and the big island of Hawaii together in saying that they are more of a resort and second home market, as opposed to Oahu, where we do have resorts and second home, but we also have a pretty big center of commerce and industry. We have a military presence that's pretty strong here. There's a lot of financial services, medical, everything that you would expect in a major metropolitan area we have here on Oahu. So the market's a little bit different because for one thing, it's more resilient when we have market downturns because there's a lot more going on than tourism. And there's just, there's more jobs, things like that. So when people move to Hawaii, if they're looking for a job, chances are the job that they're going to find if they're in a a mainstream job other than tourism, it's going to be on Oahu. So it is really kind of two separate markets. There's the resort market and then there's the Oahu market. Yeah, that's interesting. So we've all read about these tech billionaires buying up large tracts of land in Hawaii. Can you take us through some of, you know, and what's happened through COVID in terms of just the appetite for people from the mainland coming over and wanting to spend more time and own more property in Hawaii? Yeah, well, I definitely would want to mention that there is an off-market sale that recently occurred that Jeff Bezos has reportedly purchased a $78 million property over on Maui. That was outside the MLS though. But there are a lot of tech professionals, well-off people from the mainland that are deciding to move over here and they're buying very expensive luxury homes. I've got clients that are doing that myself. 
They're looking for a retreat from COVID, someplace that's a little less hectic than the cities. They're looking for more space and better weather because we've had a lot of people relocating from New York, Philadelphia, New Jersey, way more than we've ever had before. Those are typically not our feeder states to Hawaii. But recently, we've had a lot of East Coast people. And what they're telling me is that during the pandemic, when they were locked into their apartments, they were just like, wow, we need to live somewhere where the weather is better. Because if the weather were better, we'd be outside right now. We wouldn't be stuck in our apartments. So we saw a lot of people relocating. And actually, the condo market has taken off over here. Condos were kind of stagnant for about the past 10 years. And during the pandemic, the condo market just basically exploded. We saw all the past inventory getting gobbled up. The single family was already scarce, but condos were a little bit behind, about six months behind before they started becoming scarce as well. But now both are scarce. So where does the luxury market begin in terms of price point in Hawaii? I would say probably... Three to four million is where you start seeing the really nice homes. By the classic, let's compare apples to apples, probably above three million. But I would say that there are a lot of people that come here and they have the money to even buy more expensive properties, but they're buying in the one to two million dollar range because what they're really looking for is lifestyle. And they're not looking for the super fancy house or keeping up with the Joneses. They're looking for having that perfect island lifestyle. To me, that's what's really intriguing about Hawaii is it's very accessible at all price points. So you can have Jeff Bezos or Larry Ellison or Mark Zuckerberg, which own large parcels of property, or you could have someone that bought a condo for a million five, and they all have access to the same Hawaii. And I think that's what's really special about that market. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you can get in under a million and still have an ocean view in a condo somewhere. So, and still be able to walk to the beach. So that's a pretty nice thing. And we did see a lot of people doing that last year, actually in the past two years during the pandemic. So does everyone want to be oceanfront or on the beach or ocean view? You know, how do people approach it? If someone says, hey, I'm flying over from Northern California and I have $10 million to spend, what type of property do they want to see? Well, on Oahu, you have a lot of options, actually. You can have close to the beach. If you're close to the beach, typically you don't have a great view because you're on a flatter area where you can walk. Or you have hillside, and then you have beautiful ocean views. And because we're a volcanic island, it's flat by the beach, and then the center of the island is full of mountain, and you go up the side of the mountain, and that's where you get all the views. But you can also have acreage if you want. In Kaneohe, in the North Shore, you can buy ag land, buy Manalo, you can buy ag land, and you can actually spread out and have chickens and grow fruit if you want or whatever. But typically what happens is people say, well, I want to be near the beach and I want a view. <laughs> and then they have to decide which one do you really want because you can buy a view for $4 million and then you can get on the beach for $7, 8000000 million plus. But you kind of have to make that decision at some point because you can't have everything. And I guess also what people really have to get used to here is sort of the sticker shock of what you get for your money because you can actually buy a $6 million home that's not in great shape. I mean, it, there might be deferred maintenance, might not have been remodeled since 1980. And you're still going to be paying a lot because you're not really paying for the house, you're paying for the location. And 
the land and the land is worth 70 to 80% of your total purchase price. And the house is not worth that much. So one of the funny things that people do is they come here and they say, well, I saw the price per square foot on this house. It's just ridiculous. I don't want to pay this per square foot. But you cannot look at price per square foot in Hawaii. It doesn't make any sense unless you're looking at condos because the land value is so high. It really depends on what size your lot is, what it's zoned and where it is, what's the frontage, what town is it in. So price per square foot is almost meaningless over here. That's really interesting because the rule of thumb over here in most of the stateside markets is land is maybe 30 to 35% of the total value. So that's really interesting that the land over there is just so valuable. Yeah, it's reversed. And a lot of the homes here are old. They're built in the 60s. Well, they start really in the 1920s. You have a few homes that are historic that you can purchase. And those are beautiful and just in a couple different neighborhoods. But then most of the homes were built in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Hawaii Kai was built in the 70s and 80s. And then you have some newer subdivisions like the west side of the island. There's things built in the 2000s, but mostly the homes are pretty old. So they've been depreciated too over the years in terms of even the tax assessment. So if you look at the tax assessment, you'll see the house is worth maybe 150 and the land can be worth 950. Yeah, that's interesting. Also, it seems as though someone coming to Hawaii, the first decision that I would imagine most people have to make is whether you're moving here permanently or you're going to spend three months out of the year in Hawaii, do you want a cosmopolitan lifestyle or do you really want to feel like you're in a remote area and you're just there for total peace and serenity? So how do people sort of talk to you about and how do you advise people on what are they looking for in Hawaii and those two sort of choices, which I think are key choices that someone first has to make before you get into looking at specific properties. A couple different types of people that come out here, generally speaking, when they're moving from the mainland, there's the retirees and they're looking just to retire. And so they want something affordable They want something that has a nice lifestyle, maybe a smaller yard, something that they can maintain easier. So that's one set of people. And then now, more recently, we're seeing people in their 30s and 40s and 50s coming out there, coming out here and to the other islands with their families. And they're wanting to actually start a life here because they've decided they want to move away from wherever, California or New York or something. And those people, they're looking for access. I mean, they want a big house. They want a swimming pool. They want access to activities and beaches, but they also want to be near good schools and they want to have a lot of activities accessible. So that's a different set. So talking about key feeder markets, can you take us through which markets are predominant feeder markets and if any new feeder markets emerged through the whole COVID dynamic? Yeah, COVID really changed the dynamic over here. First off, it pretty much eliminated foreign buyers. So that was interesting. Usually we have buyers from Japan, China, Korea, all over European countries too. It's a very diverse cosmopolitan place here in Hawaii. But during COVID, the international buyers pretty much stopped coming. For the first few months, nobody was coming. So the activity that we did see was mostly local buyers trading up or down. And during those first two to four months, there were some amazing deals that people got because no one knew what to expect with the pandemic. So 
there were some crazy low prices and some a little bit of panicking in some cases. But then we saw the migration of people who could work from home, from California especially. That was the number one, Washington State, Oregon. But like I mentioned before, we also saw people from New York, from New Jersey, and Pennsylvania coming out, which was really surprising and different. And they sort of took the lead to everybody except for California. We also saw Texas. There were people who moved too because they didn't like the pandemic-related laws in their state. And they wanted to be someplace where they felt safer. We had more strict regulations. We still do. We're finally ending our indoor mask mandate on March 25th, but that still has been going on throughout the past two years. And basically, we have not seen the return of the foreign market yet. In Hawaii, about 25% more or less of our buyers are out of state, and maybe only about four or five are foreign buyers. So about 30% are non-Hawaii residents. This is on Oahu. On the other islands, actually, you see a lot more out-of-state buyers and maybe not quite as many foreign buyers, but a lot more out-of-state buyers. So through COVID and as a result, how many people moved there permanently versus people just wanting to spend more time there with remote work and things of that nature? Well, I don't have any data on that, actually. But, I mean, it's been a lot. (laughs) Out of my clients, I mean, I would say... Gosh, about 30% maybe of my clients last year were people that were moving permanently because of COVID and they could work anywhere. But some of those people were moving here because they also wanted to be closer to family. So they had maybe grown up here, had relatives here that had moved here. And the importance of being close to family, I think, became a little bit more important in the pandemic too. So there were those people that just moved because they liked Hawaii and it sounded fun and and beautiful and romantic. But there were also people who had somewhat practical reasons. They really wanted to be near their mom or their sisters or other people that were important to them. Sure. No, I get that. And I think that the remote work just opened up people to be able to spend time in places that they normally just vacation in and can only spend a limited amount of time. And now, hey, instead of I can go to Hawaii for two weeks, I could go there for three months and just plug in my laptop. And my boss is fine with it. My company's fine with it. Everyone's doing it. So you know what? I want to spend three months in Hawaii now, not two weeks. So I would imagine that that's one of those markets where you're seeing a lot more people spend a lot more time there than they normally would prior to COVID. Absolutely, definitely. And we saw that impact in the rental market too, because even in the short-term vacation rental market where we did have short-term rentals, people, instead of coming for a week, were coming for three months. And they were just staying. And it was actually working out very well for a lot of people too because of the time difference. So they would just get up early and they would just do their work and they'd be done by three o'clock and able to go out surfing or walking on the beach or whatever they wanted to do in the afternoons. And the time zone thing really wasn't a problem either. So let's transition into your business. Tell us about how you're set up, what differentiates you from the competition, how you operate your business, and how things have been going for you last year and into 2022. 
Well, so I have a small team. We've got three agents and an operations manager. We're all very experienced agents. We've all lived on Oahu for over 15 years and been selling real estate over 10 years. And basically, we're pretty independent in how we operate. We are very responsive to our clients individually. It's a very one-on-one relationship that we have with our clients. But because we do have backup, it enables our clients to have almost 24-7 access to us. How we work is maybe different than in some markets. We do all personal showings. Things aren't on lockbox. We stage a lot of properties ourselves. We do a lot of things uh, very one-on-one with our clients. I would imagine it has to be a high-touch business for you. I could see people coming in from, say, San Francisco and, hey, we're going to stay at this hotel for a week and we want to go out and see 30 properties while we're here. So I I would assume that you set up a lot of that in advance and then you have these sort of agendas (laughs) every day. You've got tours set up. You have a calendar of events that probably bleeds into dinners and other things, just entertaining these folks while they're in town as part of the process of selling them luxury real estate. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I'll pick up people from the airport. We'll go out all day. Like you said, we'll go to dinner. Because of the personal relationship that we have with our clients. I mean, they really do become our friends. It's not a transactional thing. It's a relational thing. I work with clients over and over again. I really do a wide range of sales. I do all the way into the upper end luxury market. I mean, the highest property I showed last year was 25 million, but I'm also showing people sometimes $200,000 condominiums when they're buying a replacement property for their 1031 exchange, or they have some extra boot they have to pick up. It just depends But I do service the entire island of Oahu, and we do service all price points. So I really think that gives me a good understanding of the market overall. In terms of buyers that you're working with on Oahu, how many of those buyers want to look also on other islands? Well, it's interesting about how buyers end up coming to Oahu. Sometimes what we're seeing is that, especially during the pandemic, A few buyers have bought over on the Big Island or Kauai or Maui, and they realized that while these islands are great for vacation or for part-time living, if you actually want to live there full-time, it's not the same as, say, San Francisco or San Diego or wherever they came from. Some people like the solitude or the kind of easygoing, you know, not as much going on vibe that you get on the outer islands. but Other people really prefer to have access to more restaurants, more activities for their kids, more schools, hospitals, jobs, all the things that go on on a big metropolitan area like we have here on Oahu. So we are seeing some people transitioning from those islands over here. We're also seeing some people who go over and ask for Maui, for example, or Kauai, and then they don't find what they want. And so then their agent refers them over to Oahu and says, well, you might like it better over there. So people already know where they want to be and they kind of, well, I want to be on Oahu. Sometimes people say, I want to be on Maui. And I say, well, have you considered Oahu? And they say, well, Oahu is too much of a big city and all that. And I said, well, no, 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 no. Honolulu is a big city. Oahu is not a city. Oahu is an island. 
And all over Oahu, there's pretty much any lifestyle you want. So you can live in Honolulu and have the city, or you can live in Kailua and have kind of a beach town bedroom community vibe. Or you can go up a little further to Kaneohe where it's lush and green and you just have amazing, beautiful views everywhere. Or you can go even further up to the North Shore where it's a very surfer type lifestyle and there's not as much going on up there. And then you can go to the west side of the island and you have a whole different thing. It's very sunny and dry out there. You've got resort communities and golfing. Any part of the island that you choose has its own personality. It's very interesting. I could see many people wanting to rent to really get a feel for where they want to be and how they want to live on any of the Hawaiian islands. And then I could imagine that people just came and bought properties, especially through COVID, and now probably want to turn those over and relocate for whatever reason. So there's probably another market that's already happening or or coming where people are going to make a second move just to now they've got the lay of the land and they're like, I want to be here and I want to live in that type of a house. And so can you take us through some of that? Have you had any like resales of people maybe in 2020, you sold them something and now they want to flip that and buy something else? I haven't seen that actually. The people who've moved here that I've worked with are all in love and they're staying. (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's great. That's great. What about renters, renters turning into buyers, maybe? Well, the thing about renting. So when we first moved here, my husband and I, this was, you know, almost 20 years ago, but we said, we're going to rent first, and then we're going to buy because we don't know where we want to live. But we really couldn't find a rental. The thing about rentals on Oahu, and I think on most of the other islands, too, it's a different market, we don't have rental agents. So sometimes what happens is, People say, well, we're going to rent and figure it out, and then we're going to buy, but then they can never find anything to rent, especially if they're not on the island already. It's Then it's almost impossible to find something to rent. So what people end up doing is buying. And we actually have sight unseen buyers quite a bit. I had four of them last year. And people will buy, and they figure it's better to buy, and then we can maybe sell if we don't like it, but they... I really walk them through it. I mean, I take them, I do videos and I FaceTime and all kinds of things. So they really get a vibe for where they're living in the neighborhood. And so far we've been really successful. So let's touch on the inventory situation. I imagine like most luxury markets, there's limited inventory right now in Hawaii. Yeah, it's crazy. So at the end of 2020, we had only 2.1 months of inventory for Kauai. Maui, 1.6, Big Island, 1.5, and on Oahu, only 1.1 months of inventory. So definitely still very much a seller's market. And prices had increased quite a bit between 2020 and 21. On Oahu, it was the highest, 19%, just between 2020 and 21. And on Kauai, 17, Hawaii Island, 10, and Maui, 5%. So since pandemic, I would say we're up about 30% total on Oahu. It's been a dramatic increase. What about the off-market businesses? Have you done off-market transactions? Have you seen them happening in the marketplace? I've done a few in the past year. There are, I think, a few more FISBOs than normal because they think, wow, this is easy. Anything sells in this market. On the FISBOs that I've done, I've represented the buyers and those for sale by owner people actually made a big mistake because my clients got 
amazing deals <laughs> because those sellers actually did not know the market. They knew it was good, but they didn't know how good it was. And they didn't know if they had put their property on the market with a realtor, they could have gotten much more. But hey, I wasn't complaining because I was representing the buyers. So my buyers walked into great deals and a lot of equity. Now you speak to the value that number one, real estate agents add to the process. Number two, you want to cast the widest net. You want to introduce it to the entire market so that every potential buyer out there has an opportunity to see it and to decide whether or not they want to buy it. That's really the way to get the highest price. Usually off-market transactions are just a way for wealthy folks to circumvent that process by, in most cases, paying a hefty premium in order to prevent a seller from wanting to explore the entire market. So the off-market world is an interesting world. Okay, Yvonne, now we're going to transition to the fun part of the interview, the lifestyle of Hawaii and what a market. So many people, I imagine, move there for a lifestyle. So the first question I'd like to ask is, can you describe sort of a day in the life of living in Hawaii? Well, I got up and watched the sunrise. I went down to Lanikai Beach, and it is amazingly beautiful there. I wish this wasn't just a podcast because I could show you the visuals and you would just drool. It's so pretty seeing the sunrise because where I live in Kailua, one of the beaches is Lanikai and it is facing east. So we see these great, great sunrises. So that's what I did the other morning. Then we come back and start our day. And there's a lot of activities that people do like hiking and water sports, paddling, there's paddling clubs. The kids are involved in all kinds of activities too, you know, just I mean, the normal ones like on the mainland, but a lot of surfing and things like that. So the nice thing here is that even if you're not super athletic, the weather is great. So you can walk around any time of year and the climate is from about, I think our coldest day is maybe like 66 and that's freezing. We're all cold. And then our hottest day is 92. And most of the time it's between 78 and 88. So it's just really an indoor-outdoor lifestyle. I live on the water. I live on a stream called the Ka'ele Pulu Stream, and it connects between the Ka'ele Pulu Pond, which they call Enchanted Lake, and the ocean. So where I live, we have a boat, and we go out on the weekends. It's kind of a party barge. You know, we just float around, and there's a lot of wildlife on the stream. We see blue heron, and there's barracuda, and flying fish that jump out of the water and ducks and there's native Hawaiian birds. So it's pretty cool. You know, we just walk out our backyard and hop on our boat and cruise up and down the stream toward the ocean. We can hop off our boat at the end, get off on the beach, walk over to Buzz's. Buzz's Steakhouse is a great place to eat and have a cocktail and a dinner and get back on our boat and go home. And it's really nice. I mean, there's, I think there's no life better than here in Hawaii, honestly. Wow, that sounds, that really does sound incredible. I want to get on a plane and fly to Hawaii right now. <laughs> We're in New York where it, yeah, yeah, it's in it. the 50s even, and that's warm for us for March. It's in the low 50s today. Hawaii is just has endless daily activities. You touched upon dinner. Talk to us about the nightlife, the restaurant scene, clubs, things of that nature. Okay, so I live in Kailua, which is a smaller town. We have about 40,000 people. So the restaurant availability is a little different here than it is in Honolulu. So we're only 14 miles from Honolulu, but 
Honolulu has world-class restaurants. I mean, Waikiki has tons of resorts and hotels. So of course, you're going to have great restaurants there. We have about like four or five really predominant chefs that are here on the island that tend to have a lot of different restaurants and are pretty well known. Recently, I just tried out Michael Minna's new restaurant at the Four Seasons called Minna's Fish House. And that was wonderful. And you may recognize his name from San Francisco. He had Aqua and I I know he has other restaurants around the country. Another restaurateur who's predominant here in Hawaii is Peter Merriman. And he's known for his farm to table. He's got three restaurants here on Oahu, Merriman's Moku Kitchen and Monkey Pod Kitchen. He also has restaurants on the other islands. I think his first restaurant was over on the big island in Waimea, but he's really great. Roy Yamaguchi, who you probably all know from the Roy's chain, his original restaurant was here in Hawaii Kai, and it's known for its great seafood. He's got several of those here on the island, as well as Goen and Eating House. Goen is here in Kailua. That's one of our favorites. We always go there. And then there's Ed Kenny. He had Town Restaurant, Mud Hen Water, and Kaimuki Superette, another great farm-to-table chef. He looks at local cuisine and kind of tries to incorporate all of the Hawaii ingredients into his cuisine. And then probably the two most interesting restaurants that have come up lately are Sinia and that chef Anthony Rush. And then he opened a new place called Podmore. And Podmore is known for brunch and it's cocktails and poo-poo. So it doesn't have regular lunch and dinner. It just has a really good brunch menu and then sort of a cocktail menu. As far as clubs go, I don't really know about the club scene. I know there are clubs here, but I really haven't frequented them in many years. So there is a pretty hot nightlife in Waikiki, as I understand. That's fine. So tell us about the resorts. I imagine that at the onset of COVID, that the resort business obviously fell off. And how are the resorts faring now? It's packed. It's packed at the resorts. Even in, I guess it was June, July, August of last year, Waikiki came back. I mean, that's when we had sort of a lull in the COVID stuff for a while. And everybody came to Hawaii for a vacation. They brought their kids. They brought everybody. We couldn't even get into a restaurant during that time. Like the locals couldn't because everything was just booked. And in fact, tourists couldn't even get in and they were complaining because there was nowhere to eat and there were lines everywhere. But the restaurants were still on COVID precautions. So they had less tables. So that was part of the problem was the tourists came back in mass and yet we had not enough restaurants to service all the tourists. And a lot of people had quit their jobs during COVID or they had been laid off. So the restaurants were understaffed. So it was kind of a problem. I think this summer will be fine. It's built back up the momentum. Restaurants are back operating at normal capacity. Tourism is back to normal. There's tons of people here. I mean, some locals complain about it, but I think it's actually good. I like to see our economy functioning well. And we have a lot of great resorts on the west side. We've got the Aulani Hotel. That place is always booked. The Four Seasons in Waikiki. There's lots of beautiful resorts to stay. They're all operating. We're back to having events at the hotels, too, for fundraisers and things like that. It's really great. I mean, it's nice to see the economy picking up in the island. You know, it's vibrant and exciting and Lots going on again. I would say overall, Hawaii just really has something for everybody. It really does. So in closing, I have two questions for you. What would you tell a realtor or someone, whether they're in real estate already or want to get into real estate, but they want to move to Hawaii and get into the real estate business, what would you tell them in terms of how to go about that? And then what would you tell someone 
that say on the mainland that wants to acquire a property in Hawaii and what's the best way to go about that? Well, if you were a realtor that wanted to move here, I would say probably come and join a team so that you can kind of get the lay of the land. It's very different than on the mainland. And I've had a license in California as well as here and have experience with real estate in a few other markets. And it is very different. We do a lot more for our clients. We're a lot more involved. Attorneys, we don't have attorneys that do everything like in New York. We do it. So I would say get on a team, learn from a good mentor, and then go out on your own. And I would say that if you look at real estate as being just simply like a transaction, you might not do well here. You might do well initially, but you won't have repeat business because real estate here is relational. It's not transactional. It's about building a lifetime relationship with your clients and gaining their trust and being there for them and holding their hand through things if they want it. And it's kind of old school. Hawaii is like maybe the mainland, I don't know, 30 years ago or something. It's a little different. And people do really know each other. And your reputation is everything. So that's what I would say to someone coming out here, get in with a good team or a good mentor, and then really just focus on building relationships and not being salesy. Because that's not really what works here. And then as far as anyone coming out here to Hawaii, I would say, first off, find yourself a good realtor and find a realtor who's familiar with the entire island that you want to be on, whether it's Oahu or Maui or Kauai, because where you think you might want to be may change dramatically. And I see that happening all the time. And and that is why I sell all over this island is because I can't just focus on my neighborhood because what happens is someone comes and they say, I want to live in Kailua. And then they find out, oh, this isn't going to work for us because of X, Y, or Z. Usually it's price. And then they say, well, we're going to have to explore looking at other places. And then we might look at five other places. And then sometimes they come back and say, okay, well, actually we do want Kailua. So or maybe somewhere else. It may be Waikiki. They say they want Waikiki. And I say, well, did you have you thought about buying a single family home? You're at a price point where you could do either. So if you have someone very familiar with the whole island that you're looking at, your options will increase dramatically. And you may end up purchasing something that works much better for you that you hadn't even thought about. That's interesting. Well, that about does it for us on Luxury on Location. Yvonne, I really appreciate you spending time with us today. Again, Hawaii is just one of those fantasy markets. Everybody dreams about spending time there, living there. I'm one of them. I've been to Hawaii. I'd like to go back. So thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you. A sincere thank you to Ivana Hearn for being our featured guest on our fifth episode of Luxury on Location. That was a great conversation, which we sincerely hope our listeners enjoyed. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. We understand there are a multitude of podcasts out there, so we appreciate that you chose Luxury on Location for your listening pleasure. We hope to see you back for episode six when Kevin will be speaking with another one of our private client network partners and discussing their dynamic luxury real estate market. In the meantime, please check out the private client network at Compass, your nationwide resource for luxury real estate. We operate in virtually every luxury real estate market in the country. You can find us at the privateclientnetwork.com 
or on Instagram at Private Client Network. Until next time. We'd like to thank the sponsors of this episode of Luxury on Location. Experience luxury vehicles like never before. Are you tired of being locked into leases? Join Motor Envy. No commitment, no maintenance, no headaches. All drive. Visit motorenvy.com forward slash LOL to receive your exclusive access, courtesy of Luxury on Location. Greenwich International Film Festival is an all-female-founded nonprofit organization that harnesses the power of film to serve the greater good by bringing to attention important issues related to basic human rights, education, the environment, and healthcare. GIF offers films, panels, and special events throughout the year, including the prestigious Changemaker Gala, which will take place May 25, 2022, and will honor Lynn manuel Miranda for his work with the Miranda Family Fund. To learn more about GIF, our events, and membership opportunities, please visit GreenwichFilm.org.